Welcome to Guitar Villains. I'm your host, Tyler Larson. Why guitar villains, you ask? Because villains are cooler than heroes. It's just a fact. This is a podcast by guitar players for guitar players, and over the course of this series, we'll talk with some of the most creative and innovative minds in the guitar community, find out what makes them tick, and understand how we can become better guitar players ourselves. Thank you for watching the video podcast here on YouTube, and you can also listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. This is the final episode of what has been an unbelievably successful debut season of Guitar Villains. I am incredibly thankful and grateful to all of you for supporting the show over its first run of 10 episodes here in season one. I'm going to take a little break for the holiday season from the show and come back in the new year to book guests for season two of Guitar Villains. Please let me know who you'd like me to get on the show next season. I'll do my best to make it happen for you. Again, thank you so much for your support. Let's get to the season finale, shall we? Today's guitar villain is Herman Lee. A blistering shred god heading up the Grammy-nominated metal band Dragon Force, Herman is so good he sometimes sounds like a video game with his extremely creative and acrobatic licks, which makes sense because Through the Fire and Flames might be the most famous video game song in the world thanks to its guitar hero lore. Herman has also become a major figure in the online guitar community with his Twitch streams amassing millions of views for their fun and unique segments and guests. This one is extremely fun, so prepare Prepare yourself for the season finale of Guitar Villains. Welcome to Guitar Villains, the show where we deconstruct and decode the guitar. And Herman, I want to let you know about something I discovered during my research for today's episode that you may or may not be aware of. Did you know that Herman Lee has an extensive definition on Urban Dictionary? Uh, which which version? Um, the old one or the new one? Which you know, there's number of. Um interesting stuff that was said about me um throughout the years on wikipedia or urban dictionary so i don't know which one is um okay good ones or bad ones <laughs> okay i i think it's pretty good here you you let me know if this is uh, i feel like it's important we read some of this because we need to know if some of this is accurate or not so according to urban dictionary herman lee means the world's only living paradox. The lead guitarist for the speed power metal band dragon force shreds notes that do not even exist on a guitarist fretboard able to hit 103.5 notes per second, which is only ever to be beaten by Jesus himself with an average of 105.6 notes per second. Along with Sam Topman, many create solos that have actually been recorded to launch multi-dimensional black holes from the top frets of their guitars. And apparently, Herman, on one such occasion, your pick actually started melting somewhere around 37 seconds into the track Fury of the Storm, and you quickly ripped your zipper off and continued playing for the rest of the song. But unfortunately, halfway through your guitar solo, despite the zipper's rest by the tapping section, apparently, that you were doing, it started to spark and ignited a fan's hair. Can you confirm or deny any of this? I think most of it is pretty true. I think the numbers might be slightly wrong on that. I think you're a few digits out 
on that. But apart from that, I think mostly is absolutely true and probably scientifically proven, but in a different dimension. You don't have that data in this dimension, unfortunately. Okay, so from my, from my traveling experience through the dimensions, of course. Okay, I, I figured most of that was true. I mean, it seems accurate. I, I have one little other part I want to confirm. A mini vortex of awesomeness has spurned from your guitar solos, and it created a, a black hole that got larger and larger, and the headbanging became stronger and stronger until a child was actually sucked out of his mother's arms and launched into the black hole. Did that happen? Uh, yeah, I think that happened. Um, did they mention anything about when I play wrong notes, what happens? Ooh, no, that's not documented. No. Well, you know, I never play any wrong notes. Otherwise, this whole world would collapse. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. All right. Well, please, please stay accurate with your, with your note, notating, <laughs> noting, <laughs> with your fretwork. That's, uh, that's good news for all of us. I don't think you're going to miss too many notes anyway. Uh, you know, there would probably be worse in- misinformation on the internet. So I guess we don't need to contact Urban Dictionary about any of that. So we do things a little bit differently on this show. We're going to play some games. I'm going to try and get to the bottom of what makes you tick as a musician. And hopefully you'll have a great time. And maybe the next time you're in Nashville, we can jam in person or do something cool in my studio here. Sounds good. Jamming in person. That's that's a cool thing. Um, <laughs> I guess um, that might exist one day. Yeah, um, yeah. That would be a cool thing to do. I'm knocking on wood. So this show is called Guitar Villains because I think villains are cooler than heroes. I've always found the characters are deeper and more complex and memorable. And the first thing I want to ask you is, out of all the movie or comic book villains, who would you say you identify with the most? And this could be something as simple as a appearance trait or as nuanced as a character trait that you may share. And if you want, I can give you my answer for which villain I think you're the most like, and you can respond uh, with a different choice or agree. That's a tough one. There's so many evil villains out there. That's um, true. And there's some very smart ones, actually, that actually write, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know out of my head, to be honest, because I watched movies once and I never watched them again <laughs> since I got old. You know, you only watch them multiple times before they start pumping out millions of movies. It's non-stop true. Non-stop and non-stop. It's true. Um, well, well, let me let me tell you this while you think it over. I think you're most like Amon, and he is essentially the primary antagonist of the entire StarCraft franchise. I don't know if you're familiar with the video game StarCraft. Uh, yes. You are. Okay, great. So he's the malevolent Zelnaga uh, character, and he's the mastermind behind the Protoss and Zerg hybrids. And it was said that Amon couldn't, die and it would be easier to destroy every star in the galaxy than to destroy him and he could telepathically control any protoss and influence events in the universe at will and literally rip entire planets apart so the way i see it you fit into some of these characteristics in an interestingly similar way first if amon played guitar he would most certainly be playing dragon force songs i think that's safe to assume you know the the highly technical overpowering onslaught of music that you create uh would be the soundtrack to worlds being invaded and conquered and of course regarding the concept of hybrids you've been able to blend the analog world of being in an awesome band like dragon force and combining that with an online presence in the youtube 
Twitch platforms especially, that has become a really welcome voice in the guitar community. So I think Amon is a good fit for your supervillain doppelganger. You know, that's very cool. I only really expect Koreans to be able to pick up a Protoss character from StarCraft. I mean, obviously, <laughs> they love StarCraft down there. Down there. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Protoss guy when we play StarCraft. Okay, okay. Uh, so that is, um, that is cool. I wouldn't have been even think about it. I mean, also the StarCraft story is kind of like phew, gone over me. Last time I finished StarCraft 1, I can't even remember that, what year that was. Yeah. But I'll, I'll go with that. I, I think that's cool. <laughs> yes, I, I'm a Terran guy myself, so we, we would have some epic Protoss versus Terran battles, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that's cool. I like I like um I always thought um they were kind of cooler, you know, a lot of pe- the multiplayers um you know, I li- I like Protoss, you know, just go in there, jam jam jam, you throw it in there. Mm-hmm. And then you they got all the cool stuff. It takes longer to build, right? But um, yeah. in the technical aspect, it's a bit like a guitar player. You know, it takes a long time to get what you want to be good at. While Zerk is just like, "Oh, you get a million of these useless useless things in no times you know <laughs> i wonder what each race would be like as far as guitar playing style so i think you're right protoss is sort of like the equivalent of your style which is technically proficient super expressive you know kind of distortion like that's protoss and then that like whole metal genre would be protoss hard rock metal Taryn, what do you think? Classic rock, country. Um, they're, they're kind of in between, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think so. Zerg is is like grunge. <laughs> I was just gonna say Zerg is grunge. And there I say new metal. New you know? metal. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, some someone gotta be controversial. We're on YouTube. You know, yeah, we're on the in, we're in the podcast world. So, um, and I would say. The hybrid thing is me making absolutely fast food contents on YouTube. Oh, delightful, yes. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, I approach the worlds differently. Making an album and making fun stuff on YouTube and Twitch in a different way. Mm-hmm. I realize you can't have everything perfect in this world if you're going to create content and make it fun for, for people to, you know, to, to watch. Mm-hmm. While you make it, uh, make the album is like it's got to be perfect. Every solo, every note's got to hit it right, perfection, because it's frozen and impo- immortalized in some kind of art form that's supposed to last for years. That's what it used to be in music, you know, an right. album people listen to for years. I don't know if it's still the case now, but at least I still have that attitude put, um, towards that. Yeah, that's good. We're gonna talk more about um, those two kind of dichotomies in in your personality in particular so before we get there first things first i have a couple softball lobs for you i call this segment burning questions now these are rapid fire questions that if you were to conduct a live twitch stream for example Uh, like a master class where anybody could ask you anything they want about guitar playing secrets or wisdom. Instead of doing that, they would ask you these burning questions, which no doubt must be answered, but don't totally matter in my opinion. But we must know what pick do you use? What pick gauge? I use a normal shape pick, which is the, the Dario one point, is it one four on the purple? I can't remember, but 
that's the one um i don't that's what i use for everything now you want a short that's a short answer perfect what gauge strings do you use 946 what's your number one guitar Right now, it's probably that PRS there, which is a um, one-off um, private stock one. Oh, really cool. What is your favorite amp? Um, I don't use amps. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amplify. Uh, Mesa Boogie 250. Cool. What's your favorite guitar pedal? Um, a MIDI controller. <laughs> great that answers that now we're going to move on to a segment i call name those notes so the concept is pretty simple herman i'll play you a quick sequence sequence of guitar notes and these are from songs that you've recorded over the years and you have to tell me what song those notes come from. And we're going to see how well that you know your catalog and how well you can recognize your own guitar playing, and it'll spur some conversation about the music. So we're going to start with something easy. I think you'll get it, and then things will get progressively harder. Does that sound good? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. I mean, that's the easy one because the string breaks in that song. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> that's so funny that you immediately said that because it sounds like strings breaking, but I could never I could never understand. Like, did it actually... It sounds like maybe all the strings or one of the strings? Um, so I did like a whammy bar pull up, uh-huh. and then the string broke at the end. Yeah, it really pops. And I was yeah. I was like, I know that sound, but they wouldn't have put a broken string on the on the record, but you did. It's a broken string. That's right. <laughs> um it's that's I love these unique moments that you cannot recreate and uh-huh. anytime again. Um so maybe a lot of people can relate to this is back then we had no endorsement, there's nothing free, we don't get anything free. So we play those strings until they are like done. Yeah. While recording. So we it's not like we put new strings in every day. I mean, those strings are getting really old. And I had one guitar just to do whammy bar stuff and one to record. Yes, yeah, so I put new strings and one I don't. And that one, the strings been like been going on for a while. And I tell you, we do all the guitar noises like um effects at the end of the recording. Once we have everything down, we think what can we do to fill up the gaps and make it more exciting? Mm-hmm. So by then the strings are completely gone. You know they've done about two hundred whammy bars, pulls and dive bombs. So it's like boom, it went. <laughs> Jeez, that's really cool. Yeah, you're using the the guitars as like these almost not even guitars anymore. They're like these tools to make noises. That's that's interesting. So like most of the guitar playing or, or more traditional playing, I should say, is one guitar, and then there's like the the sound guitar for all the whammy stuff. Yeah, I I mean, the bridge on on my main guitar back then, you know, the saddle was basically, the string basically goes into the saddle because we've done so much pull on that. Yeah. And that was like a cheaper model. It was a low TRS bridge. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with those Ibanez cheaper bridge that was um that was made. And they, they're not as hardened mm-hmm. like the, the low pro edge 
stuff like that. So cool. I played that guitar for, I mean, a long time and really, really gave it its money's worth. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we got another batch of notes. That's that's Heroes of Our Time solo. Yes, it is. So I want to talk to you about how you compose your guitar solos. Do you go lick by lick? Do you run the track and improvise until something sticks? It's just it seems all very like every note is in its right place and I just want to know how, what your process looks like because I know you like to record a lot of guitar work at your house. Like, do you have a, a certain way you approach guitar solos for albums? Um, so the way I approach it is, um, I was talking about I like the unexpectedness of s- guitar playing, even from myself. So it's pretty much on those first four, I mean, first four certainly Dragon Force albums, all the solos I improvise until I'm dead. I just kept improvising until oh. it's got something good. And that's kind of the approach I learned from listening to interviews with people like Yingwei Malmsteen or George Lynch. Their approach is just like, we just improvise the solos. And I feel like I can create something that is like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. And you take the risk when you approach the solos. I just take risks and go, okay, I might not get this right, but I'm going to try this trick now and do this kind of strength skipping. And even the is actually the wrong playing or the mistakes makes it special. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't get that note correctly, but I did this instead, and it's kind of sound cool. So it takes a lot of work to relearn the solos because, it, you know, you didn't plan it. It's just, it just happened. It's captured right there in that time. Yeah, yeah, I definitely relate to that. It's like, okay, I played this, so I have to figure out how I played it because sometimes when you're in that improvising zone, you can play something that you didn't know was in there and then you're like all right what you have to get into a a mentality that's different from when you're improvising when you're in the learning stage and you you kind of like reverse engineer your own guitar playing that's interesting and so it's the the amount of time it takes i actually improvise for one day for one solo oh so it's, it's like that's a lot crazy. that's a lot of time sometimes two solos i get yeah you know breaks and stops and you you, you improvise so much it almost became compositional improvisation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you go okay i really like that bit i can play that again and i'll play that again and sometimes you don't get it and it's it's kind of a weird thing and of course i've done some solos which is like three takes and it's out right um but i know one i didn't get for six hours and then i went to bed i woke up next morning i got it it, it it's kind of weird. It's I know people think, oh, well, can you do a solo on my thing? I go, well, it's gonna take me a whole day. I don't have that time. Right. And of course, I can improvise a solo now, but I think that's I can listen back to. It. I say, well, that's not really that good. That chord doesn't fit with that sitting note. You know, you're analyzing the thing. So we're going a deep improvisation of reanalyzing when you hear how that solo went. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and it's like like you said a few minutes ago about the immortalization of the licks like you want to be like this is the you're leaving your best version on the table there yeah that's great moving on here we have a next batch of notes getting a little more difficult here i mean something that horrible must be from a live album like twilight dementia I have an extended version if you'd like that. 
that's oh that's my real I completely screw up that arpeggio at the end by two frets. That's the one I did with um with Michelangelo. Yes. Um, on Twitch. That's right. So <laughs> I totally the sweeping is completely out of harmony by two frets. I was like, oh man. But, I didn't notice you know, that. I thought it sounded pretty cool. <laughs> well, that's where the visual parts comes in to trick your brain to think I played it pretty well. You know, without the video. Right. Um, you listen back, you go, oh my God, what the hell was that? <laughs> well, the good, the good thing, it's funny you say that. The good thing about this podcast is it is in video format. So this, I, I had to choose this because... It's an absolutely ridiculous moment where you and Michelangelo Badia are both playing over the top, back over the top, and it's just like you could be playing completely terribly wrong notes, and it's just still like the most entertaining, cool thing. It's like hyperspeed back over the fourth, and, and uh, yeah, terrifyingly hard, but the most fun-looking thing ever is kind of how I how I see it. That that's really awesome, uh, and I, I wanted to use this to kind of talk about your your exploits in Twitch in particular, because I really associate you with kind of the Twitch guitar movement, if you want to call it something like that. Do you, why do you use Twitch instead of YouTube, or when do you use it? And talk a little bit about what you do there. Well, I'll give you a little bit of history. I don't know how long... Is there a time limit of this um, this episode? That no, I no. As long as, you, as long as you want to hang. Yeah, okay. So... I basically, from about 2009, at the end of the MySpace era, if people even heard of that, I didn't do social media for like, I would say almost 10 years. I just didn't do it. I just, uh, I think I got, I got really annoyed by this whole Facebook generation. I thought this is kind of lame. I don't really want to post about my food. <laughs> or I feel like if I'm posting something, I feel like I'm bragging, you know, like I'm flexing or like trying right. to solo i'm doing this while you're at home so i didn't do any of that and then i realized you know what unfortunately the world is this way it's like that is the way of promotion for your music for the band if i'm not if i'm doing this as a professional musician you know this this is way it is so just accept it and stop being a boomer about it um <laughs> and so i thought okay you know what i'm gonna do something but i want it to be fun i don't want to force myself into something that I don't want to do. Um, and Twitch became a natural thing because I'm a big video game guy and I'm a big computer nerd. So it's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do Twitch. I'm play some games, play some guitar, talk about guitar, just have fun. And right. it slowly evolved into something completely different, right? I mean, now I got people like Tosin Abassi, Misha Mansur, all these Michelangelo. We're doing live jam, improvise, talk about music, all these kind of things. Um, all happen and me comparing all different guitars, pickups, kind of a live version of what people do on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it's been a lot of fun. It definitely doesn't feel like a job. And I, um, there's a lot of people that's interested in what I have to say or what's my view in terms of their music and guitar. Um, so we just try to make it fun for everybody um, at the same time, pretty much. And then all the social media end up doing it because they come part of it now, yeah. you know. Of the of the whole thing why do you like twitch in particular is there is there something about it that's better than other platforms or is that just like the the most popular one um we talk about recording and immortalizing something right so doing a youtube video for example of playing 
if you don't have every single note perfect, it's like the commons are just evil and just destroy you. People have no mercy. They don't think about anyone's feelings. That empathy just doesn't exist anymore, you know, in the in certain part of the internet world. Oh, yeah. And I like the naturalness of Twitch and I can talk about things and be honest about it. Like, um, and show people the human side of me. I say, look, I'm going to play these songs. I haven't played this for 10 years. And, but I'll show you that what I can remember and what we don't remember. And if we don't go, go on tour, it's almost like we're not ready for this to play these songs perfectly as they should be. You know, where you play the set every night and you're just training, you're just concentrating on 10, 12 songs. Mm-hmm. Um, people say, 10, 12 songs are all you play? Well, you know, our songs are long, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Dream Theater. Um, so that's what it is. But I'm happy to play these other Dragon Force songs and people enjoy it. But at the beginning of it, I used to delete it every time I finished playing some kind of playthrough because I think, man, I listen to this. I see this is not absolutely perfect, but I kind of got along to it and understand how it is and embrace live streaming um, for what, you know, for what it is. And for me, it's always been Dragon Force, always been a live band, despite what people might think on the Internet mm-hmm. in, a, in a strange way, because when we first came out, um, I think when we first came out and be became popular people were very surprised about these solos being fast even though i said look this is christian pelletary there's michelangelo jason becker i was not that good i was not that fast everybody was doing it better than me in the 80s it doesn't matter but we have fun doing it and they thought oh well, this is not real you can't play it live it's like now it's just, everyone just kind of like stopped that now because it's like i play these songs live all the time on live streams mm-hmm. it kind of became this um, weird thing that actually worked out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really entertaining work that you do there. So keep going. Uh, I'm learning from you in that way too because I'm thinking about dipping into some live stuff. I, I, I kind of started this podcast because I love long-form content and uh, that's kind of how podcasts, like it seemed like a nice fit where I can chat with people and, and kind of have my own version of that. But yeah, the Twitch thing is is really interesting too. Today's episode of Guitar Villains is brought to you by Guitar Super System. Are you tired of YouTube ads telling you that YouTube guitar lessons suck? Me too. I don't know about you, but somebody setting an acoustic guitar on fire or teaching crappy cover songs in front of a musty black curtain feels a little disingenuous to me. I'll get straight to the point. Join tens of thousands of other guitar players and visit guitarsupersystem.com to join the most popular independent guitar learning platform on the internet. If you're a beginner, there's an entire curriculum called the Beginner's Corner just for you. If you're an expert, the music theory and technique curriculums reach the highest levels of mastery and are based on industry standard learning methods I've used since graduating Berklee College of Music. If you're somewhere in the middle, you're actually the perfect candidate. The Choose Your Destiny approach allows you to cater your learning experience to exactly what you want to accomplish, whether that's improving your improvising, ear training, learning new techniques, songwriting, and more. You'll also have access to private live streams, lesson comments, and a community forum for feedback, as well as exclusive giveaways and new curriculum releases. The best part is everything that I just mentioned is included in one monthly subscription and you can cancel anytime or like a lot of people do upgrade your subscription to a yearly pass. Of course you can also just learn guitar right on YouTube for free because YouTube guitar lessons don't suck if you know where to look. So check out guitarsupersystem.com. Now back to guitar villains. So I have one more little group of notes for you. You ready? Mm -hmm. Here we go.
Well, it's a bunch of whammy pedals. I've done a lot of solos of whammy pedals. Uh, you got to play that once more for me. And I have a long version, too, if you need it. Here we go. Well, that's that's a tough one here. Um, here comes the long. I mean, if you give me a long version, I'll definitely know, but that that is it. Um, I'll do half the long version. Here we go. Uh, that's a fear of the storm solo. Yes. And even though there's no notes there, <laughs> it's just the effect, you know, of yeah. the whammy pedal. It's not a single note was in key. <laughs> that that's such a it's such a great example of uh, how your your personality kind of shines through your guitar work, and that's all in spite of the fact that you're playing a lot of notes, uh, but I can still you know tell that it's you playing and. I asked John Petrucci this question on this podcast, and I want to get your take too. Uh, do you think, like, what do you think about the trope that guitar players who play a lot of notes don't have any feel or emotion in their music? You know, this is the same thing I've heard years and years and years. And once upon a time, this is like when I first started playing the guitar and I discovered Jason Becker. This is back in, um, ni- in the 90, 92, 93. And I went to my music teacher. I said, listen to this guy. Man, I played in Altitudes from Perpetual Burn. Uh-huh. And my t- music teacher listened to said, this is terrible. This, this guy can't play. He's no music there. It's just masturbation. It's terrible. You shouldn't listen to this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, some people just don't have the ear for certain type of things. So... Right. It's um that's why there's music for everybody. And I like playing fast because I find it exciting. It's fun for me at the same time. Um and that's it. Some people like it, some people don't like it. And me myself I listen to all kinds of music. So it's all okay with me. Um but I don't think you have to have listened to music for years to to like that kind of music. The first time I listened to I heard a guitar solo which was um, Richie Sambora on a Bon Jovi song, I thought, man, I love this sound. What is it? Yeah. What is it? And some people are just never going to like guitar lead solos and things like that. And you can see the trend, how it went, right? Those new mellow, those mellow core, and everyone was like, oh, we don't play guitar solos. We're songwriters now. It's like... The you know. two don't <laughs> have to be mutually exclusive. That's, uh, that's definitely an interesting perspective. If we don't have guitar solos, then we're songwriters. <laughs> I know. It's like everyone, go, I hear these things all the time. And me, I'll tell you, man, I, I was pretty disappointed when so many people was talking shit about me, about how terrible I am as a guitar player. Dragon Force is terrible. The solos, this and that. And I'm going, you know what? And they were saying, oh, well, Steve Vai was kicking his ass. Steve Vai, Satriani. I was thinking, look, if you met me you in a bar, say, you could say I would that be your to best, anyone. I would be your best friend because... Yeah. You know, I hung out with so many people talking about guitars. I was the guy lining up, going to G3 three nights in a row. I love that kind of music. But it's like when you became something like in the band, it's like, well, people just have this thing against me. It's like, well, sorry, if I was the normal guy, you have no problem with me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, obviously, I know that because I've been on both sides of the of the curtain, too, and uh, it's easy to have that human element lost when you're behind a keyboard. Um, but what you mentioned, oh, Steve Vai's kicking his ass. Like, Steve Vai would kick anyone's ass. That's that's like saying, 
Like I know. <laughs> first not- of all, I wouldn't feel bad wow. about that, but yeah, most of the time, anyone who has something negative to say, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily think they have the facility to back up what it is they're saying. And uh, yeah, I think I think you would you've obviously developed the this thick skin it takes to succeed in this realm, and it's also it's almost like you get to a point as a creator and you know a personality whatever you want to call it where you go through the the shit talking phase of whoever's you know bad mouthing or like criticizing you in a way that isn't helpful and when you come out that other side first of all you you are better at doing whatever it is you do but also that kind of aura you give off i think maybe deters that negativity so it's like a weird rite of passage as somebody who puts themselves out there in a public-facing way where you do something, everyone hates you sort of for some reason or another, and then you go through that and you either fail or rise above and then everyone's like, actually, yeah, you're good. <laughs> I know, you just have to go through that phase. And I see the you know, younger bands. Um, I had um, Tim Henson from Polyphia you know, uh-huh. recently on here, we're just jamming out and stuff. And I see the comments on his, you know, t- on him is uh-huh. pretty evil. I mean, I, I was thinking, wow, um, they just, <laughs> it's like when you're new, you got this younger crowd and just have no mercy on, on you in any, any kind of way. But, I, you know, I can also understand part of this because when I play on stage, I do have this different kind of persona and people think I'm really like, you know, I'm up. You know, I'm up my ass. I think I'm so badass. But it's like, I'm sorry, I'm playing a show. I'm trying to provide some entertainment. You can, you prefer me just staring at my feet and just not do anything, or you want me to do crazy stuff, you know, and have fun with the guitar. I think my favorite performance of yours is when you're playing the guitar underwater. (laughs) That's like the perfect perfect way. Like, if you're not having fun, what are you doing? So, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. So, did... That's actually a funny. I wanted to mention that um, people don't know. I'll, I'll overlay the video, but you were playing this song on a cruise ship, and I think it was through the fire and flames. And you were playing underwater behind your head, and you weren't getting electrocuted. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Yeah, um, that one. That was a cool trick, actually. That was, um, you know, I always play the wireless systems. I don't even know how to play a cable on stage. Uh-huh. Um, so that was, um, that was, um, my f- second attempt to play under the water. Um, so I put it behind my head and I play and then unfortunately it cut off near the end because the, the wireless pack went in the water. Oh, oh so okay. it stopped the wireless system. So you, what you need to check out is my next, the one I did afterwards, which was the snorkeling guitar solo, Oh, which I played fully one minute breathing over snorkel under the water with my hands up and the guitar <laughs> above the water and I'm swimming at the same time. Um, that is like that one. I figured out the stuff, how to keep my in-ear system from cutting out, how to keep my wireless system from cutting out. And at the same time, there's people going crazy, jumping in the pool. So the waivers are going all crazy. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I probably the only man to do that. If I, if I had to guess, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm weird. I find that fun. I don't know. I was into 80s rock bands and they were like doing crazy stuff back then. Yeah, it's awesome. So in my in my research, I learned 
that you used to write for UK's Total Guitar magazine. What was a story or a lesson column, whatever you want to say, that you particularly you particularly remember about uh, that sticks out in your mind? Is there one? Uh, not really. To be honest, I I will look look, at, look back at those videos. Always go, oh man, that's that's not very good. Uh, yeah, it's like, and it's part of uh of what we learned throughout the years, right? You always look. It's like we. I can listen to the first album. I go, oh man. Uh-huh. It's not well recorded. Sounds pretty terrible, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with those. I was. I remember just all I remember is they asked me to do these things for them, do a bunch of lessons. Um, so I went. I drove from London to Bristol with no sleep because I was completely jet lagged from a tour, uh-huh. and I only had a few days to do this. So I said, okay, let's just do it. And I did these videos, and and that was it. Um, <laughs> The way I like to teach is not do complicated stuff. I know a lot of videos, people love to do this insane shredding. And I always find that really, really more like, well, look at me than being constructive in a way. I like to break down smaller, simpler pieces that people learn techniques so they can put their own style in there and evolve from it. By giving you something simple, you can make it complicated. But if I give you something really complicated, it's harder to break it down into something simple because it takes so long to learn these complicated things. So they're kind of relatively simple stuff like tap, different tapping and sweeping, mixing a probably a major arpeggio sweeping with tapping a major pentatonic pattern with it kind of thing. And hopefully people can use that technique and then mix something which sounds like them. Yeah, that's definitely a critical uh, trait that all good teachers have is giving you the tools to make you sound like yourself and not necessarily asking you to copy verbatim. I mean, there is, there's like two kinds of guitar players, right? There's the guitar players who kind of want to improvise and then there's the guitar players who just want to play the songs and neither one's better than the other. But I've, uh, I've always kind of identified with the people who kind of make their own music then i think we go through everybody goes through that latter phase of learning something note for note and only caring about exactly that and it's just about how long that phase lasts that kind of determines what kind of musician you become how long how long was that phase for you did you you went through it i'm sure um my phase to be honest is just play whatever i liked to play and whatever i enjoyed so that kind of shaped me the way i you know, what I am now um, because there's no time to waste to play something you don't like to play in music or in guitar. Right. And it became naturally that way. Um, I didn't have a guitar teacher, so I would try to learn something listening to the CD and I probably got it wrong, you know, but you get better at it. And I used to practice a lot of improvising with CDs because mm. you can't have a band all the time. And improvising became something that was that was um, fun for me to play, and and I learned a lot. I'm not like an improvised guy, like a jazz guy, really good at it, but I'm okay mm-hmm. um, at it. But the funny thing about the guitar playing is like, you know, people always wonder, oh, what, what do I want to do in my life? What kind of job I want to do? Or what should I do? Um, you know, what's the meaning of life? It's like, <laughs> you got that itself in guitar playing. You know, that's like, you got the whole thinking about, oh, should I practice this? What should I practice? What should I learn? There's so many things out there. You don't really know what you want to be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just whatever the challenges comes up to you is what you're going to end up learning and practicing and what's going what's gonna to shape you, I think. I totally agree. Yeah, it sort of reveals itself what you're supposed to be as you move through. If, you, if you're thinking about what you want to be, musically speaking, it sort of becomes a little more difficult to reach that goal and, and you maybe start resenting or making decisions you wouldn't have normally made if you just kind of put your head down and did what you're passionate about. Like I was always a huge fan of creating videos. Like I was always, I always had a camera. I had like a, my uncle's old camcorder when I was like 13 filming my shitty band with like my Marshall MG playing like these rockabilly things. My friend was a terrible drummer and my other friend was terrible guitar player and we were just clanking around and I thought it was just so important to film that as well as, as play the guitar. And that always just kind of followed me. Everything I did, I would film it. And it kind of made, I wasn't thinking about, I have to share this with people. It was just like, I like doing this. I'm going to do it without any necessarily, without necessarily like predicting what it's going to do for me in a, as a career. That's kind of, I think about what you're saying too is like you don't really think about what you're passionate about you just are the way you are and it sort of if it's going to work out for you you don't really have to do anything other than that so you've toured all over the world and i love asking this question because of course you've already been asked what's the craziest thing that's happened to you on tours over the years but i want to frame it another way what is the strangest thing that's happened so not something that's good or bad or happy or sad. What's something that's really weird? Either well, on stage or not. Just off, just off the top of my head, seeing women crying when we're leaving the country at our airport, that's just bizarre. I mean, <laughs> look, we're not BTS, right? We're hardly you know, a K-pop hunk band. We play, as Tony McCarpine calls it, um, I think he said it's something like a female deflecting music or something. You know, he calls his music, <laughs> right? This That's is hilarious. Look, I, I show you my, my stats on my, you know, my data yeah. on my social media. It's like 99% male, mm-hmm. you know? So there's that 1% or 0.1% of women sometimes crying at the airport. I remember in Japan, it's like they're crying at the airport. We're leaving. This is they're crying that we're leaving they're waving goodbye at the hotel this is like a bizarre thing to me i always find this some what's going on in this world is this a different reality (laughs) you know you know don't you find that strange that is very weird i mean i get it but it's yeah that especially that they knew you were like were they staking out the airport or something or like your hotel and like uh, damn it dragon force is leaving today i have to go send them off yeah that you know, certain countries like Japan and Mexico, um, you know, they're really passionate about the music and that's really awesome. Um, yeah. I just thought we're not that cool. You know, it's no, don't share the tear for us. We're not that badass. <laughs> that, that's definitely a strange thing for sure. <laughs> Crying women at your, uh, at your airport departure terminal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. A couple, a uh, couple questions as we wind it down here, Herman, what is the hardest thing about the guitar? and the easiest thing about the guitar? Wow, okay. I think... I mean, the guitar is a 
lifetime journey, right? You can never learn too much. And then you realize when you learn more, some of those other stuff that you learn once upon a time kind of disappeared. It's like there's only how much you can fit into this box. Mm. And then they kind of and then they kind of go away and you kind of have to relearn it and you forget stuff. Um I think hardest hardest thing still is really decide what to learn and what to practice or what to play. Um and I always asked that question myself for a number of years. What should I practice? And now the techniques are like there's so many more techniques. The guitar have evolved so much that, you know, we have thumping involved, um, the selective picking and all these little things that have t- turned up the last few years. And I've been practicing selective thumping. So I'm trying to, you know, kill two birds with one stone, right? Because I don't have enough time in the day to practice. So instead of doing selective picking, is that, well, I'm going to thump it instead. Um, and then there's all these arpeggios and all this music theory and counting. Um, so I think for young people especially, it's more and more confusing. What do, you, what do you practice? People ask me all the time, what should I practice? Should I practice sweeping or tapping or legato? Mm-hmm. And I said earlier about you know, what challenges you have coming up in your life is going to determine what you're going to concentrate practicing on. If you have to learn 10 cover songs, you're going to learn to express those songs in the best way possible in the how the original artist did it in. And that is a skill itself. It's so difficult to do that. Totally. Um, and a lot of things I don't see people practicing that do a lot of thumping is the bends, the vibrato, sometimes because you're concentrating on the rhythmic part, making the guitar sing. Um, so I think that is really difficult to be able to find out you know, what you should learn. And you just don't know what challenges are coming coming to you and the easiest thing about the guitar is you know what you can get a good guitar at a cheap price these days compared to when we started off back then you know right i think you can get a pretty good guitar out there now without having to spend that much money the 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 mid-range even the beginner guitars they're pretty good from some brands yeah so awesome having good guitar is important indeed indeed it is uh what is something that you've learned most recently? Um, that's a that's a good question, actually. Um, I would say learning how to play live, but not at a show, but yeah. on the live stream. That itself is another skill that didn't exist before. Once upon a time, right? And I can tell you, I'm really bad at playing in front of a video. That means a pre-recorded video to be edited later. I feel very nervous. I feel like, oh man, there's a microscope on my play. I can't really relax. And playing on live stream is another skill that you have to learn to do a lot of streaming to be able to do it. Um, because what do we do? We interact with chat at the same time. Now I can read the chat and talk and play certain songs at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I can even pat my dog with my feet while playing a guitar solo. <laughs> We do these silly things on stream because it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. And not being afraid to make a mistake in front of people is another skill to learn because then it unlocks another possibility for you to have a dif- different, another tool in your, in your toolbox. Right. And I always say about all these things is like, you know, thumping or this, just, just different tools to express yourself or create something, just like guitars. You say, what's your best guitar? Well, I don't know. You want a hammer or you want a screwdriver? What are you trying to do? 
Right. Um, so a lot of them, you know, we're in the world where I get asked the stupid questions all the time. What is the best song? What is the best this? What is the best thing? What is the best this? Is there isn't a best thing. Just you have to make a compromise when you build a guitar. If you want it a certain way, if you have a thicker neck, it's going to have a better tone, but you're going to get tired playing fast. Um, so learning those things and able to take that information that you have now, so much more information and be able to gather it and control it and order it, order it in a way to be on your guitar journey is a difficult thing. Um, so like I said, you guys, man, it's so good at video, video editing and playing in front of the videos and make it sound great. That's another skill that I don't think, you know, I'm that good at yet. Um, but, but I mean, why not? Is you, you're presenting something like knowing how to use pro tools, knowing how to edit videos. It's all part of the musical journey we're in. Really smart advice there. What is your favorite airplane album? So you're flying on an airplane. What's your favorite album to listen to? Well, <laughs> I've been on the plane for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Try and imagine a world where you fly on an airplane all the time like you, like the old days. What would What would be an album you might cycle through? The last time I had an Last time I was listening to something on the airplane, I believe I believe was the McRocklin and Hutch album. Oh, cool! It's got nice guitars, nothing too intense, too stressful. Doesn't you know you can relax on it, and it's got nice keyboards. And you listen to guitar instrumental albums. Some of them just got like shredding tune and just make you wake up. I just want to relax on a plane. Mm. So um, I think that's that's a good airplane album. And I don't mean it in a rude way. I mean it is a it's a cool album. Otherwise, I like just relaxing soft music to get me through the journey because no one to be honest they say enjoy your flight it's like no i will not enjoy my flight i do not like sitting here cramped up or not cramped up whatsoever you know if you're sitting there cramped up you won't enjoy yourself if you're sitting in business class you won't enjoy how much you spend for this for this for this thing anyway so you know you're hurling through the air at thirty thousand feet can't exactly get too comfortable, so you just have a, a few uh, a few screwdrivers, I guess. <laughs> Try yeah, and get can't even it. do that now because it dehydrates you, right? Oh yeah, um, oh, alcohol is like it's like a lose lose situation. Um, I think flying is, and I I can't even imagine, you know, flying again on the future tours because you know air travel be not so much that they're cutting 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 costs all the time. Right. Um, things are things are different when it when touring starts again. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have a check in after that, and you can tell us what's changed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a session, a little a little game here. I call build a band. What four others in a band, living or dead, would you want to play with? So it's you on guitar and four others. Go for it. Well, I mean, it depends how you want to do it. Find some terrible musicians so you can be the cool one in the band. You know, That's not an option. Cool, not, cool, not too good looking. You can go for that approach. Um, and I think if I get all these talented people, there's going to be some ego in there. I don't even want to deal with that. Um, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> all right. So name, name four untalented. No. <laughs> uh, but, I mean. Mike Portnoy, I mean, I love Dream Theater. I always love Mike Portnoy. I think he makes, apart from being an incredible player of so many different styles, 
he's also extremely entertaining to watch on stage. Mm-hmm. And the drummer cannot stand in front of you on stage. So, you know, he that's can't true. just go around and stand. <laughs> that's, that's great. Great, great observation that's, and very important fact to share with the people. The drummer will never yeah. be in the front. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, this is not a serious answer, but I mean, Billy Sheehan, obviously another amazing bass player. Right. Um, I think um, I, I played with Billy um, once or twice, I think. I can't remember. And he's always awesome. I think he's he's like someone that you can work with easily. Another um, extremely perform performance-oriented player. Yes. The, we, you need a big stage there, and everyone's moving around trying to not kill each other. Yeah, seriously. Smashing to each other. All right, Mike yeah. Portnoy, Billy Sheehan, two more. Um, we're not going to have a singer. We're just not going to have one because... It's Great. not worth going there. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, you know, <laughs> you, you guys understand. Let's not just put a sing in there. <laughs> That's fine. Um, you got to get another guitar player. Yep. Um, I think, um, look, I love to play with Joe Satriani. Um, oh, yes. You know, one of the greatest guitar player um, around and cool guy. Easy, easy going. Joe Cool. Yeah, um, we have to have a keyboard player. How about that? Who's that? Um, you know what? We're not gonna have a keyboard player. We're just gonna put him on tracks. Oh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, resourceful Easier. move Let's there. Let's keep on the tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's an epic band, and and a very managerial stance that you took there to uh, to assemble that. So, Herman, finally. <laughs> To loop in your guitar supervillain alter ego, I have one final question for you. What do you believe about guitar that most guitar players would think is crazy? And this could be a hard truth guitar players need to hear or something you know that others don't or a misconception about the instrument or whatever you want. What do you believe about the guitar or guitar playing that others might not? Hmm. Um, well, I'm sure I'm not the only person in believing uh, one thing, but I would say, um, it seems like it's like a changing, you know, music is changing and so is the scene and so, so is everyone approaching the guitar. I believe when you play the guitar, you know, you have to go. 100% is like Dragon Force always more is more, right? Yep. That's why when I play on stage, I always make it crazy. You know, we talk about the underwater guitar playing. Um, you know, I always think if there's a bar that I can get to from the stage, I will go there and I will jump on the bar and play the guitar. Um, some people think that's cringy. I think it's cool. Um, it depends on how you look at it. And But I think the last how many years you look at the world of metal no one was really up for doing these kind of things. They'd rather just stand on stage, headbang, and concentrate on the playing and just be on stage. I believe in making it, uh, making as much uh, as a visual experience of what you hear in the music. So that's why with Dragon Force, now we have giant video game arcade machine. We run on top. We play solos on those. We jump right on the bar. We, I used to stage dive, you know, and I would do a solo for like a minute on my back while crowd surfing. And these kind of things is a bit lost, I think, um, with a lot of uh, music these days. And I, I like to see more people try that. And 
And the more people do that, the more we can look at things and we can evolve and get better at it. I'll see, oh, wow, that guy did that. I want to try that. You know, you don't see so much of that. So I, I like to play guitar that way. That's why I play my tongue. I do this flying knee onto the guitar and catch a guitar. I'm always trying to find new tricks of playing the guitar where you have, let's say you have a bar and that's the middle. Middle is playing perfectly. Yep. And I think the more you do these kind of things, the more animated you are, the perfection of playing goes down. But if you play beyond, you know, if you try to really play perfectly, perfectly, it gets kind of boring and more boring. It just, you just become a statue. Mm -hmm. So I try to find a way to make a balance, to make it fun and push myself in certain parts of the song, you know, to make it entertaining. If, you, if I'm just strumming power chords, I'll jump on the trampoline and do a spin in the air kind of thing. That's what we used to do. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then when you come to solo, when you move, when you don't move, this is, it's dictated by the solo itself. So you are, you're kind of riding your solo in a certain way. You're doing a bend, you can move around, but if you're doing a sweep, you gotta be static a little bit mm -hmm. and you twist your guitar. And you think about it, if you have your guitar low and you're doing sweep up the high fret, you either have to bend this way, you know, to make a shape, which kind of, it can be cool with the fan blowing on your hair. Right. And, or you have to kind of tilt the guitar this way and sweep that way. So it actually all worked together. You know, all these things are, uh, can be combined. Um, but obviously, you have to make a lot of mistakes and take risks in order to get there. So that's my view of um, performing live, not studio. Studio, we just stand there, stare at the guitar, <laughs> and that's it. You know, <laughs> Wise words. I, I agree with all of that. So, Herman, as we wind down here, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be on Guitar Villains today. Uh, it's been a huge privilege to, to chat with you, man. It's... Uh, it's been a long time coming. I feel like I feel like I almost know you because I've been watching you on on Twitch a lot lately, and um, so this is this has been really really cool, and I appreciate your time. I'll look forward to seeing what treacherous plots you devise next in your musical endeavors. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, um, and I thank you so much for having me um, on your on your channel. It's been a it's been a blast talking to you, and I. You know, I like to do a serious, I, we can say that a serious guitar talk now and then, you know. It's yeah. like I, some people like me being silly these days a little bit and good to talk about music Absolutely. as well. Absolutely.